The evil that men do lands on. We gonna bang your head! You are now listening to the Music Mania podcast, a hard-hitting show featuring all things hard rock and heavy metal. And now here are your hosts, the twins of chaos, Clint Switzer and Paul Lagana. Welcome to the Music Media Podcast, Clint Schweitzer and Paul Agana. Paul, big guest today. We've been publicizing it. We are going to be speaking with Wildside guitarist Brent Woods. And of course, everyone knows Brent Woods. I also worked with uh, Vince Neal, Janie Lane. He's the current guitarist for Sebastian Bach. He's just kind of done it all. And we are going to be speaking with Brent Woods here coming up about one of my favorite albums from the, from the I almost an 80s, because it's such an 80s sounding album, but it's 92s, Wildside, Under the Influence, Hang On Lucy, great album oh, can't man. wait to get into it incredible incredible for me and i, I want to hear about how actually that all came about because i read somewhere where he actually recorded that album they the band actually recorded that album with uh eddie van halen yeah at, at the 5150 right. studios that's c- correct they were the first outsider to record there uh, other than van halen so that's, that's crazy right. gonna ask about that uh, i guarantee he's gonna have some stories about that yeah absolutely and brent woods is a guy that's been there he's been around i mean he's uh d- done i think he did some Somewhere eight, nine, ten years with Vince Neil worked with him on his Carved in Stone album, uh, Janie Lane before he passed away, and of course uh, he's been on tour with Sebastian Bach for the last I think couple years, and uh, he's just kind of done it all, and he's worked. Um, he th- he's just one of those guitar players that he's just so reliable, he's uh, respectable, so he keeps getting getting jobs, man. Okay. People want him in their band. He does a great job. He's got a great look. Can't wait to ask about Wildside because they have a show coming up uh, in September 3rd in Boulder, Colorado. They will be appearing with Lynch Mob. That's right. So going to see Wildside live again this summer. That's great that they're having a show. Hopefully right. more to come from them because like we always say, gr- the grunge era really unfortunately kind of erased Wildside because they came out so late in the game. The grunge invasion, if you will. But no, yeah. Also, uh, I want to know about also uh, when they were actually, when they first formed, uh, they were playing the Hollywood clubs. That's where actually they're from is Hollywood. So I want to hear about uh, what, what it was like. Because uh, they were young guns yeah, back then, yeah. Right, right, right. But and they switched over to Wildside. But, uh, you know, I'm sure he's got some stories about the, the Hollywood club scene as well. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to go ahead and bring on our guest at this time on the Music Media Podcast. It is our pleasure to welcome guitarist extraordinaire, Brent. Woods, Brent, welcome to the show, man. How's everything going? How you doing? Doing great, doing great, man. I know things are busy for you. Uh, things all, as always, as a musician, but we got to talk about this because September third, man, Wild Side reunion is on. You guys are going to be in Boulder, Colorado, with Lynch Mob. Just tell us how this uh, show kind of came about, and uh, you know how much forward are you looking to this show? Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we play. I don't know, probably in uh, things like seven years ago, we did a show at the Roxy, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And you know, it's it's fun to get together with those guys and 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 play that stuff. You know, it's yeah. I mean, those those guys are my friends, and it's just it's just fun to get together and and uh, and do this. So I think it came about because the uh, promoter had contacted Drew that uh, that puts that that Wolf Fest on every year, and uh, just asked if we were interested in doing it, and. Um, and then Drew called me, and I said, "Yeah, you know, let's do it." If I, you know, I didn't know what the schedule was for me during the summertime with Sebastian, but um, I said, "If we, you know, if it's available, let's, you know, let's let's do it. We'll have fun." So that's how it just came about. So now we're just, you know, we done a couple of rehearsals, and everything sounded sounded really good. 
Yeah, uh, Wild Side, just uh, one of those bands that, um, you know, under the influence, probably one of the, it's such a classic, and I want to get into that because, um, you know, Wild Side, you guys, I always felt like uh, Wild Side is a band, because that album came out in 1992, kind of in the middle of the, of the grunge in, invasion, that that album, it's so good, it's a classic, but it maybe just came out a couple years too late. Do you, do you have any regrets about, about how that, about that album coming out at that time and co- sort of getting lost in the mix with all those, uh, with all those bands, whereas Wildside could have been, a, you know, a viable band for years uh, off of that album. It was so good. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just the business, right? I mean, you know, you get an opportunity. I was fortunate enough to be able to get a, get a, a record deal when, you know, when record deals matter. And, and I was able to, you know, work with Andy Johns and, and, uh, and Jim Valance, a great writer that wrote a lot of Brian Adams stuff and, you know, Paul Stanley and, you know, recording up at Eddie Van Halen's house. I mean, I, I got a lot of the great experiences out of it and, and learned a lot. To me, it was almost like college. You know, it was like I was getting paid to uh, to learn the business and to learn how to how to produce. You know, with Andy Johnson to record and so no, I don't regret anything. I mean, yeah, what I'm very happy if it, it was successful, of course. You know what I mean? But you can't control timing, man. You know what I mean? You do what you do and you have fun. You gotta you gotta enjoy the journey while you're doing it, and um, and that's the most important thing. You know, if you let things that are the negative, the roller coaster rides crazy, and you know you can't you can't let the downers affect you too much, or you know you're just not going to move on. So right. um, yeah, I mean it was it was timing. Grunge came in, uh, the you know we got signed in 1990. You know we picked Andy Johns to be our producer. He was working on the Van Halen record at the time, and uh, his schedule fluctuated back and forth with us between us and them. And and uh, and then once the record was done, uh, you know we had to get it mixed. And we took it up to Canada to get it mixed, and the, the tapes got confiscated. And it, I mean, it's a long story. And they held them in in, uh, in customs there for about I don't know. I think it was like two months or something, three months, and that held it back. And then it and it pushed back our release date again. And you know, there's just things that happen. And uh, but you can't control it. You know, what I mean, it, it just uh, it just happened. So you got to move on. And but uh, you know, I'm proud of the record. And and. Uh, uh, you know, I still I still love playing the songs today. Like I said, we we just rehearsed last night, and uh, some of the stuff I'm just I'm trying to remember some of it, you know, because it's been so long. And I play differently now. You know, I'm not the same player like what I played back then. I I never put down the guitar since since Wildside, but I've always kind of just listened to different music and evolved into a, a kind of a different player. I mean, some of the stuff I play the same, but some of the solos I'm changing and kind of making them different and new and fresh and kind of the style that I'm playing now so it's it's a lot of fun too to kind of reinvent well Brent uh, tell us about uh, when you actually uh, recorded that album because uh, I was reading somewhere where you actually recorded at uh, 5150 uh, Eddie Van Halen's home uh, just tell us a little bit about what that was like uh, recording and did he have any influence at all on that album um, well yeah I mean we, you know we started the record at A&M recording studios that's where we started the, the basic tracks like drums and and bass and uh, and then Andy had to go finish the Van Halen record so when he came back we started guitars and we were at A&M and he Andy wasn't happy with the guitar sound he, yeah I'm just not feeling it I think Andy just wanted to go up to Eddie's house so it was kind of an excuse to go up there and hang and uh, he liked the vibe up there and he just got finished working there so obviously he just felt for, you know comfortable with it and so he called Eddie, and, and Eddie, uh, you know, off, you know, he said, yeah, come on up, you know, let's do it. So, um, 
he didn't really have any involvement, but, but, you know, the first day I was recording there, Eddie was in the control room sitting about five feet away from me in the chair because he just wanted to come up there and hang with us, you know, it was, which was, it was, it was nice because it was Eddie Van Halen, but also, you know, it's my first time recording my first record uh, in the studio with Andy Johns and then Ed, Eddie Van Halen's looking at you watching you're playing your guitar parts for the first time. You know, it, it's a little intimidating, you know, if, if anybody's sitting there watching you record your stuff. <laughs> And uh, so you know, I pulled Andy aside outside and I said, man, I go, it's really hard for me to play. You know, with Eddie sitting right next to me, my hero, um, watching me record. But uh, he goes, well, let me, let me tell Ed, man. I'll tell him, I'll tell him to, you know, to get lost. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't say that. Don't do that. You know, I don't want that to happen. I said, I'm just telling you, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's hard, you know. So we went back in there. And then eventually after time, because he would come up there every day, I just kind of got used to him being there. And he was so cool. He helped me out with, I used a lot of his guitar, his guitars. I used a lot of his amps. Um, I used the, uh, the, uh, um, the Explorer, the Shark, you know, I used that one on a couple songs and, and a lot of he got, he's got his Ernie Ball guitars in at that time, so I used a couple of his new Ernie Balls that he had uh, guitars and um, and some of his fifty one fifty amps, you know, the early ones, the actual Soldano ones. Uh, did you get a uh, pair of the sneakers though? That's the important. Did you get a pair of the Eddie Van Halen uh, striped uh, Chuck Taylors? That's the uh, real question. <laughs> Did he, did he even have those back then? I don't know. That's or, true. Or, or. Those, might, those probably weren't commercialized till a little later, I guess. Then, 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 right? Yeah, uh, this was 91. So, no, I don't, I don't think he had those then. But, no, I mean, you know, it's crazy. You know, I don't have a lot of photos. We, we had a guy that took a lot of video of us up there, and I know that's that's somewhere. But, um, you know, back then, nobody had camera phones or anything like that. So, actually taking a picture with somebody, you had to make an effort. You know what I mean? And it was something where you had to, it was almost like an interruption. Like, hey, can I get a picture? It was just, it was just weird to do that, you know, back then. So I don't really even have any pictures with him, you know, which kind of sucks, but whatever. I got the memories in my head and, and, uh, and the experience and I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't forget that stuff. Well, Brent, you've done so much, you know, over the years. You've worked with so many great musicians. You talked about touring with Sebastian Bach, and that tour uh, just kind of ended, I think, in, in June. I think probably you guys are going to head back out probably pretty soon. In fact, we kept missing you because while you guys were in Kansas City uh, about a month ago, we were at Rocklahoma covering the Scorpion show that night. And then by the time you guys got to Rocklahoma, we were gone co- during the Foreigner show in Joplin, Missouri. So we we missed Sebastian Bach on this tour. We got to catch up. So I mean, what's it like? I mean, working with Sebastian. I mean, he's had he's you know had such an array of uh, of great guitar players playing with him. But I mean, you you're just such a reliable guy. Someone that always comes in, knows all these songs, are just so respected in the business. Uh, just what's it like touring with Sebastian? I mean, he's he's quite a character. Everybody knows that. But man, what if what a front man and what a voice. Yeah, you know, I've known Sebastian a long time and, and he called me up, that was four years ago, and he was playing L.A. and, and I was actually working in the studio. He goes, he goes, hey man, what are you doing tonight? And I said, I said I go, I'm working. He goes, well, can you come down to the show? I said, oh, you know, I can try. He goes, no, I need you to come down and play. And I guess he had lost his guitar player that day and um, I don't know, it was like noon, so he asked me to come down and play and, and I'm like, I, you know, I gotta learn, <laughs> learn these songs. In, you know, in seven, eight hours. So I did the best I could and and, um, and uh, I went down and played and he asked me to go out with him for a few weeks and, and I did I did like three weeks with him and and, uh, and that was it. And then I didn't play with him again until, what was it, 2014, I think it was. And uh, it's been fun. I mean, you know, it's, I, I love playing some of that stuff. You know, that they had, they had I mean, Slave of the Grind record, I mean, there's some great stuff on that record. Dark and Room, it's a great song. I mean, they had some good music, you know, and um, 
I think a lot of it's like underrated and kind of put in that bucket of hairband, but which, you know, I'm not knocking any of the hairband stuff, you know, and I'm just saying like they had a little, there's a little bit more to them, you know what I mean? And, and not just with Sebastian, but the whole band, the songs, the vibe and everything like that. I just thought they had a, had a cool style, you know, and, and um, you know, not, not much cheese, which was, which was good about that band. And yeah, of course, Sebastian's great, you know, amazing front man, you know, probably one of the top five like rock front man of all time to me. No, you know, no. I mean, it's just so energetic and, and real, and there's there's no posing. It's not contrived. You know, it's honest, and uh, that's what you get. You know, and then off stage, you know, I I get along with them great. We share a lot of the same interests. You know, we'll go vinyl shopping out on the road, and and because uh, we love vinyl and vintage stuff, first pressing. So you know, we do that a lot, and and uh, so it's a good hang. It's a good hang out there. No doubt about it. And speaking of top five musicians, uh, vocalists, actually, uh, you actually work with Vince Neil, too, uh, right after, uh, uh, was it, 94, I believe, when uh, his uh, uh, solo project came out. What was it like working with him? Uh, yeah, we did. A, just, uh, that was kind of a weird thing, too, because I didn't I didn't really, it wasn't like an audition thing. I just, I started writing with, with uh, those guys in the studio. Um. I just asked to come, the, Robbie Crane asked me to come down and work with them, and I and I just started writing with them in, at NRG Recording Studios. And the Dust Brothers, I don't know if you guys are familiar with those guys, but they did a lot of, uh, uh, they did Beastie Boys and, and um, back, you know, they did a lot of alternative stuff back then in, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But Warner Brothers hitched up, uh, hitched them up with, with uh, Vince to try and do kind of a, a different record, that Carved in Stone record. So I just started writing with him in the studio and, and then um, eventually played on the record. And then, uh, you know, Vince asked me to join the band and that's how it just kind of, kind of came about. But yeah, I was off and on for, yeah, I was for, you know, a little, little under 10 years I played with him and, and, uh, and um, yeah, it was, it was great. You know, it was, it was fun. It was great because it was right after the whole Wild Side thing kind of closed out and, um, and it was nice getting into like a plush bus and, and having your own <laughs> hotel room. And, and getting a good paycheck every week, you know what I mean? And, and actually having like a good writer and, and food and stuff on the road. So it, it was like a nice transition from Wild Side into that. I'm not saying musically, I'm just saying the amenities were nicer. You know what I mean? And it was, uh, you know, I, I, it was, it was more, a little more comfortable. So, um, yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough to get that. It was fun. Do you think, because uh, you talked about the Dust Brothers and Carbon Stone was kind of an experimental sound, a lot of, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it was Pro Tools, basically, which was brand new at the time, but do you feel like uh, Carbon Stone was kind of a precursor to what would become, you know, Motley Crue's Generation Swine? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's funny, because it was, like, way ahead of its time, I guess you could say. You know what I mean? It was weird the way it was put together, but it was a lot of those loops and, and then real drums and, and, some, and real guitars and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I, remember, I, mean, I actually remember Tommy Lee saying, because we were somewhere, I can't remember, and he said something about the record, like, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's just too weird. And then, you know, you know, five years later or whatever, even less than that, two, three years later, Tommy, that's all Tommy's doing. You know what I mean? So it was it was kind of funny that, that that would happen, but I just think it was so far ahead of its time. You know, nobody was doing it, yeah. right? I mean, Kid Rock wasn't out. Nobody was really doing that. You know, mixing mixing it up with loops and stuff like that. So um, I don't know if it was the reason why. I just think things were going in that direction. So you know, 
Yeah. It just kind of happened. And Tommy hasn't looked back since. But I, it's funny because uh, I've got kind of a Brent Wood story here that's, that's kind of funny. Um, uh, you were, you know, you talked about touring with Vince Neal for uh, for about 10 years. I think this was about 02 or 03. You guys played the Missouri State Fair with, uh, I think, Vixen, Rat, maybe Slaughter. And I remember I had to, like, coax my buddy to go with me because I, was, I, I told him it was Motley Crue. I was like, it's this Vince Neal solo, but he's like, he's kind of gullible. It's Motley Crue. Come with me. And, like, the, it's funny because uh, Vince comes out. It was a killer set, and we were pretty close to the stage. And, uh, but my buddy taps me and he's like you see you come out and you're you know tank top and you're you know kind of a buff guy let's be honest and uh you know sunglasses he goes that's not mick mars is it and i was like okay you got me that that's not that's not mick mars that's 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 brent woods okay no problem that's i think funny. <laughs> funny. i think uh, brent fitz was in the band at the time you guys had a sweetheart oh yeah absolutely well you guys had a killer band man i mean brent i think we had uh brent fitz might have been on drums at that point and i mean you yeah, guys just always had 2002, I was Brent yeah. and then uh, James Hunting on bass, who now plays with uh, Roger Daltrey. Great bass player. The guy would play a 12-string bass with his fingers. He was a monster. I mean, you know, and of, still is. of all these projects, Brent, I mean, you've just done so many things. Now you, I, I know you worked with Janie Lane, you know, before he passed away. Just what, what would you say of all the things you've done kind of is the most gratifying personally for you, if you had to handicap it? Oh, God. I mean, they've all been a great experience. I mean, I just did this thing in Russia with uh, Derek Sherinian, uh, Doug Aldridge, Tony Franklin, and Greg Bissonette. And, you know, that to me, that was like, and that just happened, you know? It was That was an amazing band, and, and playing with those guys, I learned a lot. And um, I just think, I, you know, I, everything that I've done, uh, you know, I, I just, I enjoy it all. You know, I, I know that sounds politically correct and all, but I, it's true. Like, I've, I, there's always different experiences. I mean, there's some personalities that kind of intertwine, and maybe they might be the same, and you know, singers and stuff like that. But um, you know, as far as music and experience, man, it's like it's just always different. Even from tour to tour, you always experience something different, or learn something new, or do something different um, musically. You know, it's just a, it, you know, it's just a great journey, man. That's why I always tell everybody, man, you gotta enjoy the ride, regardless if it's highs or lows or in betweens, man. You just you have to just dig the whole thing, you well, know, and just and just roll with it. Or, uh, you know, eat yourself up. That, that's but, uh, it's all been good. Absolutely. And that's how you, you know, wind up staying around the business for so long. And, you know, we, I ask a lot of musicians this that we have on the show. And it's a, it's kind of a cliched question, but I'm always interested in, in people's personal stories and their journeys, especially guitar players, uh, because I think I find guitar playing to be so unique to the music business. But, I mean, is there a moment that you can recall kind of growing up um, um, I that you just kind of said there that's it that's what I want to do a moment you saw a band you saw a concert you saw something that kind of just registered you I'm going to do this this is what I want to do well yeah me and 99% of everybody else my age I saw Kiss for the first time good was, good answer was, you know yeah, I started playing drums first and I went to piano and then I saw Kiss and I saw Ace and I was like I want a guitar and that was it and I stuck with it you know and um, you know, the first album I got was Kiss Alive and um which was kind of cool because uh, a, a few years back I, I mixed uh, Kiss's live DVD, the last performance they did at Cobo Hall before they tore down Cobo Hall, and um, that was kind of like a, a return. Not that I played with them, but it was cool that like my first record that got me into really being in the music industry was Kiss Alive, and then being able to mix Kiss's last performance at Cobo Hall was kind of cool. But yeah, they were the band. That, that's that's the band that you know me and everybody else in my generation pretty much got into Aerosmith, you know, Zeppelin and all that stuff followed and, and obviously Eddie Van Halen and, and Randy Rhodes and all those guys. But, um, you know, that's, it's just, uh, it, 
you know, that that's the band that definitely put the guitar over my shoulder for sure. Well, when you grow up and you know you you see you see these things and like everybody has that moment. I mean, heck, Paul and I had that moment. The problem is we have no musical talent, and we're here talking to you. So, have, I mean, over the years, and you're such a big fan. I mean, you're a musician. You're out there. You're playing with guys like Vince Neil, Sebastian Bach. Like your paths have ever cra- crossed with like Gene and Paul or those guys? And you're just, I mean, how did has, has it ever happened for you? Have you ever met those guys? Me, me kiss. Uh, Gene yeah. and Paul, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wrote with Paul on, on the uh, on the Wild Side record. You know, we rewrote the song called Clock Strikes on that record. And uh, I've been working off and on with Gene for the last, uh, I don't know, a few years, you know, three, three four years in the studio doing uh, some demo stuff for the last Kiss record and uh, some other projects. We did a project uh, for this uh, Japanese group. And um, like I said, I mixed the, the Kiss, uh, the live DVD at Cobble Hall, did that. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with those guys a lot. I, I did all the guitar work on uh, on um, uh, Detroit Rock City, the film, and uh, worked with the kids up in uh, up in uh, Toronto, the filming of it. You know, teaching them how to play their guitar, look like they're playing guitar live, and, and that type of stuff. So again, Gene was up there a lot in Toronto, and Kiss actually did the footage up there for that movie up there. So hey, yeah, I mean, I've see those guys a lot you you, know? you made edward furlong look like he could play guitar that's not bad i mean yeah, that exactly, exactly. <laughs> one of the guys kind of like played a bass or like he, he kind of knew it but um the other guys didn't really know that but yeah they did a good job that's you know, I, I had fun doing that movie it was a lot of fun i spent a lot of time up in toronto it was a great town and and um yeah it was fun doing the doing doing some music playing the guitar and that stuff and and uh and write some songs for it, it was fun Awesome. Uh, Brent, uh, I know we kept you a little bit longer than we thought, but uh, we appreciate your time, buddy. Uh, I got one more question for you here. Uh, going back to actually uh, when Wildside first started, you guys were playing uh, uh, the clubs in Hollywood. Uh, what actually, what was that like for you back then? Because you're pretty much about my age, and I actually lived out there, and, and uh, I had heard of you guys back then, but I, I never really got a chance to see you. So just tell me about the experience playing uh, Hollywood clubs before you actually uh, got into uh, Under the Influence. Well, I was going to clubs, those clubs, way before I even started playing them. I, when I was taking lessons from Randy Rhodes, he's the first guy that got me into going to the Whiskey and the Starwood and, and, and those clubs because I didn't even know about them. You know, I'm you know, 12, 13 years old and, and taking lessons from me. He's like, hey, come see my band play, you know, quite right, you know, and, and he would give me tickets, you know, like, you know, discount tickets, whatever, to, to the Starwood, you know what I mean, to come see him play. So my mom would drive me down to the Starwood, my, my buddy, um, this guy Kurt Vitolo, that also took lessons from Randy, who was my age, and, uh, or we would take the bus down there, whatever, and uh, we would go see Quite Right play, you know, and in turn we'd see bands that are opening up, you know, like this, a band called Smile, A La Carte, uh, Snow, all these different bands. And, uh, and so we kind of got into going to the clubs at a young age. I remember hanging out in front of the Rainbow at 19, in 1979 and seeing Punky Meadows walk out. That was like my first experience there, you know? Um, but yeah, so I got to go to those clubs and, and, and see a lot of those bands. You know, I saw Rat, I saw Motley's first show, I saw, I saw you know, London play, I saw, you know, Rock Candy play, and all those guys before they, they um, were even doing anything, you know, on, you know, as far as worldwide goes. So those clubs were always... It was just a no-brainer. That's what you do. You know, you, you you write songs. It wasn't about covers back then. It wasn't about top forty. It was about you write your own material. You put a band together, practice in the garage, and then you go play a club. So, um, but I think you're talking more about like 1987, 88, 89, that era. 
when when the scene really got got crazy out there. I, I mean, it just to me it was just kind of a gradual thing because I was born there, I was raised, I should say here because I'm here right now. But it was just kind of a gradual thing, and it just built up and got bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, after the Motleys and after Quiet Riot and after Poison and you know Guns and Roses and all that stuff. Um, you know, the the scene just completely took off and. Once something is, is big and people see success and you can make it there, then everybody gravitates towards that area. And, you know, the flyers every night and and then they then they outlawed flyers. And I remember me and Drew, <laughs> we made these picket signs with our with Young Guns on because the name of the band was Young Guns before for Wildside. And, and uh, we would walk up and down the street with Young Guns performing at Gazaris or something because you couldn't hand out flyers. They outlawed it because it got to be such a mess down on, on Sunset Boulevard yeah. with all the paper everywhere. So they just, they banned it for a while. But yeah, I mean, that was it. Hey, we were fortunate we got a deal towards the end, right? I mean, the cutoff point was pretty much at the end of 1990 to even get a record deal in L.A. After that, it was over. So, you know, we were lucky enough to even squeak in and, and, and get a deal, a major deal at that time. So, but it was all fun. You know, I had a great time. A lot of things that, you know, I don't want really want to share, but <laughs> it was... Uh, it was it was a lot of fun, you know. It was a lot. I mean, you could walk in any club and hear great music playing, you know, most of the time. And and uh, there was it just it, electricity was just through the roof, you know. It, yeah, it was awesome. You could go from club to club, you know, whiskey, troubadour, and rainbow. It was great. And Gazaris. And, and Gazaris, yes. And see transvestite, <laughs> trans yeah. transvestite fights, um, you know, prostitutes. Man, it is just a new yeah. world out there, isn't it? Damn it. <laughs> yeah, and even the central across the street, you know, they had, they had something going on there, which is now the Viper Room. But that was, yeah, there, there was always something going on the strip. But that was the main deal, you know. Well, now it's uh, it's not like that anymore. And even when House of Blues, you know, was built at one time, and now it's gone. Still sitting there, but uh, still rocking. You know, the, no, luckily, they're yeah, still there. No there's there, there's still no In and Out yeah. Burger in West Hollywood, which blows my mind. And that's the uh, nothing to do after you go to the clubs. You have no nowhere to go get some fast food. That still bums me out. Uh, as someone that In just Out Burger, there, there, there's one in West. There's not. There, it's like a mile. It's like two miles away from the. From the whiskey, it, it's, man. Well, it's in, it's in Hollywood. It's right, right. at La Brea, right there at La Brea. And, so it's and, a bit uh, of a jaunt, though, from the whiskey, if you're trying to walk down there. Like, like what do you do? Go to the, one of those gas stations, I guess, across the street? <laughs> you just go to the Rainbow and eat. That's the best yeah. thing that, to do. That, that's a good point, man. Well, I tell you what, Brent, it's just been such a pleasure, man, uh, talking to you, sharing stories. And I promise uh, next time we come see you, I will not try to pass you off as Mick Mars. That is a promise. I will never do that again. <laughs> No, it's all good. Hey, no. man, I wish I was Mick Morris. He's a beautiful human being, man. He's awesome. Oh, I love Mick. Absolutely. Uh, huge crew fan. So, you know, I was actually at their last show in L.A. That was the last time I was there. I was at the Staples Center in L.A., the last Motley Crue show. And, Brent, I tell you what, it's just been such a pleasure. You've done so many things. Um, anytime you need something to promote, anytime you got anything coming out, man, hit us up. Uh, you got each other's numbers, and we'll, uh, we'd be glad to have you on and promote anything you want, my man. Thank you very much. Yeah, I just want to say one thing. Sure. There's a Wild Side Facebook page out there yes. that people are going to and promoters and fans and stuff. We have nothing to do with that. The band has nothing to do with that. That's... And there's a lot of followers on there that are asking questions, and we can't answer it. We're blocked from it. So um, don't go to that site. That's, That's all I can say. Good. We were just looking at that right before we, we pulled you on here, so I'm glad to know that because I was kind of confused as to some of the... Uh, 
some of the posts and things. But your and your personal Twitter is at Brent Woods Music, and you can find you uh, on Facebook as well at Brent Woods. Yeah, um, Facebook Brent Woods yeah. Music, and and uh, and you know just Brent Woods personal page. It's usually where I go, anyways. But that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Brent, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. We'll catch up soon, and uh, have a great rest of the summer. And man, can't wait to can't wait for that Wild Side Show in Colorado. We'll definitely be uh, be cheering for you guys because uh, we're huge fans of, of that band. So good luck, my man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brent. Clint Brent Woods, what a guy, buddy. Yeah, and you know what? I'm glad he told us, because uh, uh, I've always used the Wild Side Facebook page. Uh, taking that as gospel, taking that as the band's official page. Apparently, a uh, former member uh, is using that page to slander the band. And don't do not take that as that is not the Wild Side official page. That is kind of a page, uh, as we were talking to Brent kind of off the air, um, after we started stopped recording, he called us back and wanted to talk about how that page has been taken hostage by a former member. And I don't really understand because the, the Facebook page is promoting some of the, sh- the show coming up, but yet he said they've also had to try to get the page taken down, get some of the posts taken down. There's some slanderous things being said. How in the world is that going on? Like, get that page yeah. down. Well, the problem is, is uh, first of all, uh, he doesn't have a Wikipedia page himself. He does have a Facebook page himself. But, um, you know, so, uh, the former band member going on and... and there is no way in the world that he can. He's probably missing uh, promoting opportunities. Yeah, I mean, because that's because they don't have an official site. You know, you try to right. get a hold of them through their Facebook. That's all you have. And uh, I mean, I could have easily sent a message to that Facebook trying to get the interview with Brent, but I have his his personal Facebook that I was able to get a hold of him through. So I'm just, you know, he was very understated about that during the interview, and I, I you know, I feel horrible for the band because I mean they're missing out on opportunities. Brent's a great guy, and he didn't want to, you know, he wasn't trying to to, to trash anyone. But he, you need to get this page taken down. Is what you need to do somehow. And I hope it happens because they need to uh, have their own page and their own, uh, you know, yeah. controlled, you know, uh, social media so they can get shows booked. And I think they will, um, especially after this. I mean, this page here it obviously is not, not the official band page. So well, uh, absolutely. Do not go to it. Do not go to it. Do not like anything. Do not comment. Uh, guys, but what you can do, uh, like and comment, is on our page, uh, Music Mania Podcast. We appreciate all the feedback. Uh, thanks for downloading on iTunes, listening on YouTube, however you did it. We can't thank you enough for checking us out, man. And uh, right. the guests are going to keep coming. We got the summer rolling. We cannot thank you guys enough. Guys, have a wonderful time this week. Go see a show, man. Uh, we're in the middle of July now. Uh, shows are all over the place. So uh, get out and support these guys because we do, and uh, we love them. Have a good one.